What's up, Tweet People? We just want to give you guys an update on our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Forging Fury, baby. Yes, what you can do, hop on there, sign up for our sticker gang. It's going to give you a picture of our faces that is scary, but it looks really cool on a water bottle or a computer. It's the bobblehead sticker that everybody wants. So, but we do want to give a shout out to our founding patrons. We've got Lisa Brockman. Lily Rodriguez. We have the Stahl family, Mike, Kristen, Easton, Knox, Nash, and Baby Quinn. And your mom. Yeah, my mom is a patron. That's how much my mom loves me guys go on over to patreon.com slash forging fury and help our podcast man we're trying to get into the video podcasting game help us out let's go that's right the episode you're about to hear is a good example of why we're doing this to oh, get yeah. some support hell yeah love you guys mean it hey riley we have a lot of friends that like to party don't oh we, we do especially at our gym that's right sometimes they party a little too hard but they've got to get up the next morning and get their butts in the box they don't have a choice man you got to pay the man what do you do if you drink too much and you got to work out the next day well, you take this thing called the regimen, hangover prevention. You're getting wild. You're out with your girls. You're out with your boys. You have a couple drinks. A couple drinks lead to a couple more. If you just make sure that you drink this before you go to bed, you wake up feeling like a million dollars. You can get back in the gym as soon as you want. You're not in bed, throwing up, doing that you know crazy drunk person thing, feeling like shit. Yeah, you're in your booty shorts doing a clean and jerk PR, baby. Exactly. You're in the gym getting after it, all right? So if you go on Amazon.com, search for The Regimen Hangover Prevention, we are going to give you 15% off your purchase just by entering Forging 15. Forging 15. Forging 15. Forging 15. Forging 15. (laughs) At checkout. Don't ever say we didn't do anything for you. Yeah, we love you guys trying to keep you feeling great. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. Hit the button, bro. All right, well, we're going to the Forging Fury. Forging Fury, Forging Fury podcast. Now we're going live, baby. Hit the f-ing switch. Let's go. We're here to set some shit on fire. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and on today's episode of the Forging Fury podcast, alongside my friend Michael Gray, we have some pretty special folks in the building today. Yes, we do. We have Sean Woodland and Tommy Marquez. Trust me, our viewers and (laughs) and listeners, they know who you are, so I don't need to gas you up or introduce (laughs) you guys. Like, this is actually like a really dope interview that we've been excited about for a long time. We are, we are actually in San Jose right now, in the Talking Elite Fitness Garage recording. Uh, That's good. Yeah, we've never called it that before yeah, yeah. it sounds that sounds way <laughs> cooler <laughs> to what we're calling it this yeah. is my garage yeah. the talking elite fitness garage is much better you need a good sponsor for it the yeah. whoop garage yeah, yeah. there you go <laughs> we've been gassing this interview up in our gym for the last couple of weeks and everyone was just so on it dude like the effect and kind of the ripple you guys are putting in this in this space man is real like don't i know it sounds odd to hear that from somebody like us but people really enjoy you guys and like whatever you're doing like you guys just got to keep rocking with that thank you yeah we talked earlier and just just you guys just seem like genuine dudes Mm -hmm. i I mean we talked about it at length uh, a little bit in the past but you know this is what felt natural to us it was you know we really I, i felt like the the media that we put out when we worked for hq was a pretty good representation of just who we are, who we who, who we were, and what we wanted to be, and so we wanted to find a way to continue that because um, we want we felt like we had a lot more to give to the community in terms of providing some sort of value and um, maybe being a little bit of a uh, information beacon in a time where information was short, uh, short, uh, shortly available and. Um, this is what it's grown into has been great. Um, but we're definitely not done and we definitely have our sights set on more. And I mean, we just feel pretty grateful to be able to do this because it's, 
It beats working for a living. Well, and you had to have Sean's buttery voice on something, no. right? You couldn't let that oh, go to waste. This is all I got going for me. Man. That's it. Like, there was, I wasn't going to go get another job. You it's got like, the bald head look. It looks good. Yeah, right? This yeah, is the side with that. hair, and That's this right. is the side yeah, with hair. Uh, you say, yeah, yeah I see, green, I see what happened there. We both yeah. got green pants yeah, on. Yeah, there you go. I we, sometimes refer to myself as Fat Sean Woodland. He's kind of my favorite. I call myself that, too. Dude, get it together. Well, I know in the past you've done podcasts on your time at HQ and the split there so we're we're going to touch on that just a little bit we don't want to last too long what was striking to me is when you guys went out you were at the top of the game like you were at the top of the mountain cbs sports i mean were you working for cbs sports at the time no but but they picked you up and you were it was so what was kind of going on and and we've talked about this is like first off thanks for having us by the way the pleasure is all ours being on really we've been pumped to do this for a while but so what made that the timing of everything so hard is that when you go back to the 2018 season, we had the final weekend of regionals on CBS, the network. So right. we were live from the Atlantic regional in Florida. We had coverage on CBS sports network for regionals. Then moving forward, we had the games were on CBS again, the big network. And then we had coverage on CBS sports network as well. And when that was all said and done, they had made it very clear that they wanted Everything they wanted the open, they wanted you know content around the open. They wanted content getting us ready for the regionals. They wanted all three weekends of regionals, and they wanted the games. Okay, so we were as a group thinking like, hey, you know, we've arrived. This is where we wanted to be. We wanted to be taken seriously as a sport, and we also wanted to have a platform where we could get it out to as many people as possible at as high a level as possible. And CBS was going to offer us that. I mean, they were ready to go. Yeah, and so when the the rug got pulled out from under us. That's what made it even worse. Cause it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't working and, and people weren't watching and there weren't networks that were, you know, there was, there was interest in it. And so that's what made it even harder. It was yeah. like self-inflicted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I remember cause I was home in Salt Lake city and this was the first time I'd watched the games and I mm-hmm. told my mom about it and she's like, it's, it's on TV. I've never even heard of it. I was like, yeah. And we turned it on. We watched. She's like, wow, that's crazy. You yeah. know? So that, that's striking to me that that's where, things changed and i would imagine that was tough on you guys oh yeah Yeah. Uh, i mean so close i mean just seeing you know us getting to witness firsthand what it kind of came out of you know like the the games media team was like this you know simple amphibian crawling out of the primordial (laughs) ooze and then suddenly it became to this beautiful thing that was running full speed and uh i remember a long time ago it was probably around 2012 ish the entire update show team as it looked then was kind of gathered around and we're kind of talking about what our goals for the, for that type of show or that type of coverage would to be, would be. And a lot of the consensus around the room is that we want it to be a broadcast worthy um, show and output because in our opinion, if, if we're uh, ambassadors for the message that is CrossFit and the sport is an avenue for that and we are the, at the forefront as far as delivering that, then what, why wouldn't we, you know, why wouldn't we want to be on the biggest network in the United States? Why not, why not try to uh, find a platform where more people, more eyeballs, more human beings on this planet are going to see it than ever before. And if, and that 2018 season felt like we were there. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, we're finally in that conversation. We've stepped onto that elevator and now we just got to press the button. We're going straight up. Um, And, kind of to touch on what Sean said, that's what made it feel so harsh when it came the other direction. I, I thought about this the other day because uh, I was watching the uh, uh, 
the last the last Dark Knight, the last of the Dark Knight trilogy, <laughs> when uh, uh, Bruce Wayne's in that prison and he keeps trying to climb up and get out and he finally like is like right there he's like i got this and he just comes up a little bit short and fall, falls all the way down and he's broken and beaten again he's got to figure out another way yeah. that's what that kind of felt like <laughs> for us it was like sure. oh we're there we're ready to get out of this like into this another level and this level of freedom for us in terms of delivering that message and then all of a sudden we were back at the bottom of the pit broken busted up like all right now we got to figure another way out well at that point you guys could have been like woe is me and like well so sorry for yourself but like that happened yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a lot of that yeah, yeah. it's part of the grieving process yeah, yeah of course but but what is from a concrete a, a rose has grown like <laughs> i mean from those ta- from those tough times and parts where you didn't know what the heck was going to happen next to to creating your own space and creating something that you have freedom in. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's motivating from anyone to see is like, I mean, there was that kind of process. Where you're like, well, what am I going to do next? But you took it, it was within your control to say, Hey, we're going to do this anyways and roll with it and gain momentum with that. How has that felt for you guys to see the momentum you've gained? It's been cool, man. It's like, because the way that this first started is, um, so when, when everything happened, Tommy actually left the building about, a month and a half before mm-hmm. I did because I had to stay on till the end of December. I'm sorry, beginning of December to finish the shows that we had to deliver contractually obligated to deliver to CBS sports. So I, I knew I was out, but I, we had to stay and finish these shows. So that's gotta be a long slog. Yeah, it was <laughs> not fun. So Tommy was, uh, was out. I left December 1st. And at the time there was talk about IMG, the company that owns the UFC, they were in negotiations to take over the content and the broadcast of the CrossFit games. So that's, they had been talking to me about bringing me on board to help out. I think they, yeah. they talked to Tommy a couple yep. of times. So when we left, we were, you know, we were trying to figure out a way. First of all, it was like, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. The second, it was, let's try to find a way to stay in the space so that if, and when this thing does happen, that we're still positioned as the guys who, you know, Hey, these are the guys from HQ. They're still doing their thing. Let's bring them on board. So we just kind of wanted to stay relevant. Um, and then long story short, that all falls through, but we, you know, we talked about what, let's, let's, uh, make a studio here. You know, we're going to make a studio in my garage and we're going to, you know, do video and that's like, ah, we don't have the resources. And then we just settled on, well, what can we do well at a regular, uh, interval that provides good content? And it was a podcast and, you know, it was, it took us a while to kind of get it going. Cause I, I didn't have, Tommy had had more time to kind of get over everything. I was sort of freshly burnt. Um, and I didn't know, I was like, do I really want to do this anymore? Do I want to be part of it? Should I go just get a regular job again? Cause I'd been in that world. And then we said, you know what? Let's just do a podcast. Let's just throw one out there and see what happens. And, and it, one year later, yeah, and then stuff kind of momentum kind of started building. And we just said, look, we're going to take a step. And then when the next one you know, becomes clear, we're going to take that step. And then we're just going to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun to see the work kind of pay off a little bit here. I, I've always said life is kind of like mm-hmm. rowing backwards through life. Like when you're rowing, you can, you kind of see something come up and it looks like a big deal. But the further you get away from that, you kind of see how it connected to the next thing. And I mm-hmm. love, I love the idea that hardship creates character and yeah. create mm-hmm. something new something new can grow out of like you said the rose growing out of the concrete yeah and when we talked to annie on one of our past episodes she we asked her what her favorite uh crossfit memory is from the games and she she picked something that was not glorious it was almost like a failure and yeah and she that was the one that stuck out most mm-hmm. to her because that creates character and that mm-hmm. grows people so yeah. you guys have grown out of that which i love yeah and we uh, like some of my favorite memories. And I remember this early on is, so our first podcast episodes were recorded in what was then Marston Sawyer's garage. Um, and 
you know, there, there was that, like I had that month and a half window where like Sean was still there. A bunch of people were still there. Marston lives a mile, a mile as the crow flies from HQ or used to, uh, you know, obviously he's moved now, but, um, so literally just down the road where everything that we had built was falling apart. Like Sean was still there, like, you know, having to finish this, like this project under, under, you know, tough circumstances. And then here we were, there was three of us, me, Marcin and Heber sitting in this garage, just sitting like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, Heber's got two kids, um, you know, and a wife he's got to take care of. Marcin has, you know, a mortgage and he's, you know, was going through some relationship issues at the time. And I'm trying to figure out, like, I want to get engaged this next year. I have all these plans for myself and my hopefully future wife. Um, I'm trying to pay off student loans. She's finishing up with school and she's going to have, you know, six figures of student loans. We're like, how do, how do we, how do we navigate this? Plus we're living in, to be fair, we're living in probably the third most expensive, uh, rental market in the United States. And like, what, what's going to go on? you know, we definitely felt sorry for ourselves, but, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about the things that you find uh, solace in during times of like uh, when things are good being those things to help pull you out when things are bad as well. So like uh, there are moments during that time where it's like, well, we, like we can't think of anything right now. We're trying to th- come up with these ideas. What should we do? Let's go work out. Yeah. Like let's go exercise, you know, like let's, let's go out in the sun. Let's exercise a little bit. You know, Marshall had a garage gym set up. Let's exercise. Let's listen to some music. Let's do the things that generally put us in a good headspace. Uh, and then from that things started to turn, you know, for Marston and Heber, it was building their buttery bros log. Uh, I started to think about some of the podcast ideas that I've always wanted to do. I, I, I pitched a podcast back in 2013. Yeah. I pitched another one back in 2017, 2018. And every time, the first time I got like laughed at because the format hadn't developed. The second time it was like, no, we're going to give that to someone that we think is more important. Mm. Uh, and mm. which was tough to swallow. Yeah. And, and then now it was like, well, screw that. Yeah. I can go do it now. Like, well, let's you don't go have do to it. ask permission. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other part, the other half of that is like, to me, part of the value. And this is what I always enjoyed about working at HQ is getting to do all the things that we did, but with people that you care about and people that you genuinely want to be around. So it was like, the fact that we were getting creative in Marston's garage or two of my good friends was fantastic. And I'll always remember. And then reaching out to Sean and being like, let's do this podcast together. And like, I want to keep working with amazing people and doing all this cool stuff. So like, let's, let's, let's just go for it. Like there's no, there's little, there's very little drawback to us trying at that yeah, point. I just, from afar and from away, like we saw how everyone in that situation has handled the adversity. Like, and for our listeners and anyone out there that hears this, like, if you could give them a roadmap to how do, how did you guys, or like you talked about the exercise, but like things that you thought were important when you were handling that adversity, they mm-hmm. say success is measured by how you handle adversity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not if it's when. So yeah. like what, cause it, it might not be like, it could be like financial hardships mm-hmm. or like relationship hardships or like people are going to go through things like maybe give them a couple of tips that you guys use during that time to kind of get the things back on the rails to to, to figure out what you wanted to do? For me, I was super lucky because, and I, as Tommy was talking, I was thinking about this. The two people who are most responsible for you know me being able to get through this are, are here. And one's Tommy and one's my wife. Um, when this all went down, you know, Tommy talked about everything that he had to worry about. And, you know, I had things I had to worry about too. Like my first instinct was, I got to go get a job. I have to do this now. I have to figure this out. Like I can't, like I got to bring an income. 
And my wife said, I do not want you to go get a job where you're going to be miserable and not do what you want to do just because you think you need a paycheck. And I was like, okay, thank you. First of all, wise Um, words for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the biggest thing I think when people are going through adversity, because this wasn't my first rodeo, I lost a TV job earlier, is that, you know, you got to get up and you got to keep moving forward because a lot of times you just have to outlast people. People are going to quit. They're going to stop. They're going to like, this is too hard. I don't want to go do it. You know, when I got out of college looking for a TV job, one of the only reasons I got one is because I was willing to go live in Kalispell, Montana. I went to college with guys who are much more talented than I was, who were really good. They just didn't want to leave San Francisco. So they weren't going to get a job. So it's like, if you have an opportunity, take it and just try to survive and outlast people. Get up and take the next step. And I think that's uh, that's what we did. And again, I could not have done that without, you know, Tommy and my wife saying, hey, man, we, you know, Tommy being like, we can do this. And hey, this is what we're going to do. And kind of having a plan and, and believing in it. And my wife saying, I know you can do this. Take the time and get it right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and kind of building off of what Sean said um, in, in that vein is like the... And it's funny because it plays a very much into what makes someone successful when they come into a CrossFit gym is like getting rid of your ego, mm. right? Like, uh, I think it would have been very easy. And I saw this at times for us to have been like, Hey, we were these HQ guys. And now like, we're like, you know, doing all these things that we have to do to grind again is below us. And I, I think there's a, it's a huge pitfall for people. Mm. And like thinking about the first, you know, the first couple of events, so like Wadapalooza is coming up in a couple of weeks, but it, you know, last year it happened in January, you know, like going to Wadapalooza and splitting a room five ways with, you know, Marston and Heber and our buddy Julian and doing all these things just to make sure we're in the building to do whatever we can to get there. In Dubai, I was thankful, grateful enough to go work for the morning chalk up and covering some of that and helping out and helping out uh, in Dubai. And, but again, splitting a room, you know, me, Marcin, he would push the, the beds together and did Super a mega bed. Did a mega bed. Yeah. <laughs> mega bed. So that's, like, that's so, how you get content of people sleeping. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's content right yeah. there. I mean, I, I was wedged in between two queen beds, you know, I got the middle spot. So I was like, you know, sandwiched, but like all those little things that people might think that like, I don't want to do that anymore. I've mm-hmm. already done that before. Like not being afraid, like not being afraid to like reset that. Um, and on the other half of that for me, uh, particularly, um, and this is something that I developed from working in the mental health space is like allowing yourself to grieve. Like I think there's people and some of that goes with ego too, is people are afraid to allow themselves to feel the array of emotions that come with loss and grief and things like that. And so they, you know, they suppress it and they, and they harness it sometimes in ways that aren't healthy. Right. Um, and if you don't allow that process and that grief wheel to spin, then you're never going to be able to see it for what it is and, and as a result, utilize it in a way that's going to benefit you long term. And, and, yeah. and so for me, that's what that month and a half was. Um, and it was like I was going through stuff. Everyone else was going through stuff. And it was like, you know what? I'm not going to deny this fact. Like I'm going to lean like and like Sean, like leaning on his wife. I'm going to lean on Tiffany and all the people that helped me and my parents and all, anyone I can look to as a mentor. And allow myself to get through that wheel. And eventually that wheel gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm ready to hit this thing again. Yeah. I love that. And I love one of the things Sean said, and you, you even alluded to it too. And something we've been tackling a lot on the podcast seems lately is take opportunities as they're presented. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. 
Kalispell, Montana. Who wants mm-hmm. to go there? Well, right. you did, and it it took you to a new place, and you're sleeping, you know, in mega bed. Hey, that's a hell of an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, ret- in retrospect, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but taking those opportunities is huge, and that's you lose the opportunity if you don't take the opportunity. Exactly. So, yeah. My I brother love- says all the time, "If you have an opportunity, take it." Yeah. I liked what uh, Tommy was talking about. It's never being thinking of the mindset that you're too good to do something. Mm, like, if you ever have yeah. that thought, of, like I'm too good to do this, like you're never too good for blah or like mm-hmm. to revisit the basics or even like we could even take it to the gym. It's like, you're never too good for that PVC pipe like that. I mean, I know you're a huge Laker guy, mama mentality. Yeah. Like yeah. Kobe spent time working on the smallest of details of his gang game. And he never got tired of that. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. Like I love that. And I'll take that to aspects of my life. Like I'm never going to get tired of like congratulating someone after a workout and be yeah. like, Hey dude, you did great. Like yeah. you did one more pull up than you did yesterday or like one more double under like those congratulations and those really small details. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in love with my craft and like you see someone that's in love with their craft. Like they're never too good to do the small things. Right. And, and life will have a way of checking you if you, if you start Ooh. to lose sight of that, like, because there's, there's a million reality checks waiting outside your door just to put you back in your place. Yeah. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's going to be a lot, a lot harder if you fight it along the way. Yeah. So let's move from uh, professional hardships to um, things in personal life. Yeah. That's one of the things we, we really want to do is uh, get to get, get to know you guys a little bit better. Sure. Um, we've got two stories here. You just got engaged not too long ago. We mm-hmm. want to hear about that. Yeah. Sean, you're having a baby mm-hmm. in a matter of what? couple Days, weeks. Whoa. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime uh, now. So, um, uh, you know, we're, uh, yeah. we're going to move from professional to personal. So who do you want to start with, Riley? I don't know. Let's, let's, I, I, Tommy's closer to me. Let's start with Tommy. Okay. Tommy, right. you just recently got engaged. We want to yes. hear the story. How, how'd it go? How'd you ask? All right. All right. Um, so one of my initial don't goals, don't screw this up. Yeah. Whatever you do. <laughs> oh, man. I, I almost screwed it up when, when it happened. But, um, one of my goals when we got into the new year and we started, we started getting some momentum with things. It's like, I don't, I want to still be able to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish this year. One of which is getting engaged and being to do that, uh, for my fiance. She was graduating, uh, PT school a weekend before Labor Day. She, we had a pact that I couldn't propose to her before then because she wanted like all too much stress. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, she also, I know for a fact, wanted all of her close family to be nearby for that. She's got a great grandmother, uh, uh, her great grandma Bauer, who's going to be our guest of honor at the wedding. Um, she's 95 and like sharp as a tack. Wow. And she's a phenomenal human being. And I know that it would be really important for her to have all those people in her life there. So um, I talked with her mom and her dad a little bit about like, hey, we should throw like a party uh, the weekend after at home with all of her family and relatives as like under the guise of let's let's do this for your graduation. Her brother also graduated from undergrad. So it was kind of like this nice umbrella to kind of cloak it under. And then I knew that it was important to have a lot of our close friends nearby as far as like the, the people that she valued from Santa Cruz that have really helped her along the way and that she leans on pretty heavily. And we've been wanting to go on this hike basically since we started dating. And there were fires in Big Sur that happened a while back that devastated Big Sur. And this hike has been closed for like four years. So like one of the first... Uh, summers we were dating it was right after Sean got married actually and we were like let's go on this hike and then the fires happened we never got to go and I was kind of constantly keeping an eye on it keeping an eye on it and I found out that 
they left the trail closed still, but you could actually take the full hike. Um, it's called the it's called the Garapata State Har- uh, State Park Soberanis Trail and Soberanis Creek Trail. That sounds like a Harry Potter spell. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's my favorite hike on the planet. It's like just at the mouth of Big Sur. Um, you hike through the uh, like this creek bed all the way up into the the back of this valley, and then you get up to the top, and the views of Big Sur and the coastline are my favorite. And we had I organized all of our friends and the biggest thing was getting to make getting through the hike and making sure we were able to get back in time for the party because if she started to get stressed out on it she would like put her foot down like like we got we got to turn back we can't get to the top like i got to make sure so i did all this planning got all of our friends involved the week before uh, the Wednesday before, went and ran the trail just to make sure I scouted everything. Uh, did your did your homework, yeah, man? T- turn my turn my GPS off on my phone so I couldn't be tracked. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was wild. That's <laughs> suspicious. Yeah, and so one of my buddies who is going to be marrying us uh, did the hike with me, and uh, we realized it was a lot tougher than I remember. There's like a couple mile portion where it's like a steep grade. So we're trying to plan out how we're going to do this. And we got, we got all of my friends on board to where if like Tiff started to get, everyone, people were going to get tired. If she started to complain or wanted to turn around. We'd like, everyone would be like straight up. We're like, you can be a dick to Tiff today. <laughs> like, like <laughs> force her up. So we all, we all start the hike. It's like eight in the morning. Everyone shows up. Well, um, I've got Heber and Marston come to film it, to have a drone, um, to get all of the, the media around it that I would, that I would like. Um, I had the, the ring tucked in my back pocket, uh, twice in the, the week leading up, she almost found it, Ooh. almost found the ring and it was like nerve wracking, but I, I had it in this backpack. I had it at the bottom tucked in a secret pocket. Thank you Reebok for creating that pocket. <laughs> Shout out to Reebok. Yeah. And we're like making our way up the hike, making our way up the hike. Um, and we, we get up to the top and the spot that we had scouted out, there was like this big group of people sitting there. And so I'm kind of like to my buddy, I'm like, Hey man, can you like go tell them? And he's like, I got this. Tells his girlfriend. She goes up and just like gives him a couple snaps and tells him to beat it. Yeah. And then they're like, what? She's like, he's going to propose. They're like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, that's great. Um, so we all get it. The idea was Heber was going to put a drone up in the air, get these like big sweeping views of the hike. We were all going to get together and take a big group photo and we'll have everyone jump at the same time for that, like, you know, Instagram style photo. But when everyone jumped, I would kneel. Oh. And so Marston would snap the photo. So I'd be the contrasting piece of that. And then, you know, she realized what would happen and it would turn and then everybody would scatter and then we'd have the drone and the proposal and everything like that. And, when she did, I was pulling it. We, we took a, a fake photo to start, and she put her hand on my back pocket, where, which is where the ring was. And so I grabbed the ring in my pocket and wrenched it around the front. <laughs> and she was like, why do your pants feel funny? I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She's like, okay, whatever. I'm trail like, mix. I've been doing yes, a different right. squat cycle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm on the hatch squat cycle. That's good. Um, and then so then we go actually take the photo, and I'm pulling the ring out, and she kicks her feet out to the side and she kicks my hands. Oh man. And from me to the, that door, the garage door behind us was a cliffside. Oh, just no. sheer man. cliffside. And so she kicks it and like I don't know if you listened to our, our podcast with Jim Jim Ross and he's like, Good God almighty <laughs> Like that's what it was in my head. And I like pinned it to my chest. And uh <laughs> 
she she realizes she kicks me. She's like, oh my God, like, what happened? Are you all right? And she looks and I'm on the knee and I've got it pinned to my chest. So she can't see mm. the ring. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh gosh, oh gosh, this is... This, this is, is the moment. Yeah, there's no, no. cameras everywhere. Yeah, no, no. It, was right. like, it was like what I was had anxiety about the whole time. I was like, if I can't speak and I speak for a living, like, <laughs> what does that say about me? And, and that's, then that's true love, right there. And then I realized I wasn't speaking, and then so I showed it to her, and then she said a few expletives, and and then I, you know, got into my my speech, and she said yes, and my friend surprised us and brought some champagne on the hike and nice. a backpack, and so we all had some up at the top, like overlooking Big Sur. And then came down and had this huge party for her, had friends from college show up. It was, and it went perfectly. It was amazing. That that reminds me, I'm not going to get into my proposal story, but I proposed to Heidi on Huntington Beach. um, And I knelt down. salty dog. I knelt down in the sand. (laughs) We were looking for seashells. There's Mm -hmm. not a lot of seashells on Huntington (laughs) Beach. I'm like, ooh, I found one. And I, I held it up and I was doing my speech and a wave crashed right over me. I almost lost that into the water. That would have been bad. so. So... I'm blown away by that story. First of all, a lot of lot of ups and downs there. Yeah, but how how did you know that she was the one for you? Um, you know what's funny, and we're I actually just went through this answer in my head recently because my buddy who's marrying us sent sent us a wedding questionnaire, um, and that includes all these questions about us. And the first time I thought about it. Honestly, three months after we started dating. So we met about four years prior at my CrossFit gym that I had. She was, uh, I trained her brother, I coached her brother in football. She's one of my clients for a long time, you know, valued member of the gym. And then we reconnected years later and started dating. And the idea in my head was like, I was coming off the longest point in time where I had been single in my life. So I was like, I am, I'm not going to break this for anyone that's less than like what I see as someone that I can spend the rest of my life with. And you seem like the relationship type. Uh, yeah. You know, I kind of just want to yeah. hug you a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. And, and so when, when that happened, like a few months in, it's like just there are a handful of experiences that we got to go through. It's, I have a really close friend group, um, from home from growing up and that we had developed through work. And it's really hard for people to break into that. It's, it's very intimidating from, from the outset. And she wore it like a champ and she just, you know, just blasted right through it. Didn't have any problem whatsoever. And every kind of task along the way, that's usually like a filtering process for that point. She just handled with flying colors and it's like, whoa, yeah, I, I didn't anticipate someone doing this. Like, and then, so it was this reality check. And then I thought about it like, pretty consistently from there on out. And it was pretty clear to me fairly early on that um, given all the things and how much I enjoyed spending my time with her, just beyond all the other fluff and stuff, like how I could just spend simple time with her, just sitting around the house uh, is what really set that apart. That's cool. Uh, now, are you old school? Like, did you ask her dad beforehand? Yes. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm with you on that. How, yeah. how was that? Was that tough? Or so, do you guys get along well? Like, how did that go? So it, it went really well. Be careful with this dude, yes. dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a, it's a funny story. The first time I, I met, I met their parents years prior when I coached her brother, but it was a very casual, like, I'm, I'm one of James's coaches. Nice to meet you. You know, yada, yada. And the first time I met her parents, um, her parents live up this little kind of mini can like Canyon near my hometown of Salinas. There's no cell service out there. Um, very rural. And I, I kind of got lost cause my GPS kicked out and she wasn't at the house yet to come help me. So I was waiting and it turns out I was just waiting right in front of their property. I was there already. And I'm looking down at my phone and I hear this like, and I look up and there's a quad 
ber- like perpendicular to me with a, a mounted camo shotgun on the front of it. <laughs> and so I, I look out this window of my old car and there's a camo shotgun right at eye level going broadside. <laughs> and I look and I look out and I'm like, oh gosh, what's about to happen? And it's her dad. And he's like, are you Tommy? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, shoot, come on in. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, I'll show you. And like, we've had a great relationship wow, ever since. That's cool. And the, her parents are fantastic. Our parents get along, which is great too. And uh, so when, when I... I I called her parents like, Hey, let's go. Like, I'm going to be in town. Let's grab food and, and like to have the conversation. But I didn't obviously didn't tell them they knew right away. Okay. They, yeah, they knew. And they were That's like, perfect, man. They were like in tears and super happy for us. And they've been super supportive and That's everything. Awesome. So it's been, and do you have a date? Uh, so we're very close. I think September 26 is what we're looking That's at. That's the perfect date. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, good pick there. Yeah. Well, I love that story. And you know what? We're going to move on to Sean because he's still here. Whether yeah, right. or not. Sorry. Still we got to put sorry. his voice to work, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's a great story. But Sean, you have a similar relationship story in that you're further along down this road and yep. you are now about to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't tell us how that happened. We don't need to know. Uh, we, we get it. But <laughs> This is a Science. family podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I know you had some difficulty during that time. And it's so interesting to me because my wife and I struggled with infertility for mm-hmm. eight years. And I've heard you touch on it a little bit in some of your podcasts. And there's maybe been some place where you've expanded on it. But if you're comfortable, will you just yeah. kind of explain how that process was and like what you went through and the yeah. feelings so that we, came with that? So we got married in 2015. Um and we weren't, you know, we, we, knew, I think we knew we wanted to have kids. We were, we were talking about it and it was always something that was going to happen, but we wanted to get settled first. I think at the time we were renting a house here in San Jose later in the year, we ended up buying one. So we got to the point where we started to get a little more settled and it looked like things were going well with the job. And I was like, well, I'm going to be here for a while. Like I'm not going to nailed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, we started talking about it. I think it was 2017 is where we made the decision. Like, okay, we're going to try. So, you know, started trying and then nothing, you know, nothing and nothing, still nothing. And then I think out of the blue, she says, I'm just going to go get checked just to make sure there's nothing going on. And, you know, the man brain that I have, I'm like, there, of course, there's nothing wrong. Like, we're just not something. We're just not doing something right. You know? Right. And she went and got checked. And then she had an issue with, um, the, the eggs that her body was producing were not of like high quality. She just had a problem like producing high quality eggs. Sure. And I said, well, okay, well, what do we do? She says, well, you, maybe you should go get tested. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> right. you know, look at me. I'm, you know, so, it's and never, I did. It's never us, right? And I did. And I actually had uh, <laughs> Whoa. a little disaster going to your right, buddy. Yeah, you um, did. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, so I got tested and I ended up having, um, so I had uh, a good count, but I had low motility. And I'm like, well, that makes sense because I hate running. So this is all, <laughs> this is all coming into, into picture. Like, okay. It's down to the Totally DNA. get that. Like, you know, soldiers show up, but they don't want to go anywhere. So I was like, all right. So we started looking into what that meant for us as far as being able to have a kid. And the first, I remember, I remember going to our, our first appointment because we have, we had, we still do have Kaiser insurance. So they, you have to like go within their group. Uh, and we went to their, uh, infertility specialist and talked to the guy and, and a, I'm, I'm not going to say, I don't even remember his name, but we weren't comfortable with him. We left there with more questions than we had, uh, walking in. We don't feel like we got like a, we didn't really get a, a clear picture on what this all meant or what the process was. And, you know, it was like, well, okay, maybe like, are we not going to be able to do this? Like, what, what is this? And it's not cheap either. So we knew that it had a pretty significant price tag on it. Uh, so we decided to start and we ended up, 
in that same office meeting a doctor who I would take a bullet for this guy. His name's Dr. Isaiah Harris. He's with um, Spring Fertility now out of San Francisco. And just one of the genuinely great human beings I've ever met in my life. And he made the process super understandable, super, uh, he was very welcoming, always made us feel comfortable whenever we, we went in there. Because when you go in, it's like you're not, when you go into a, an infertility office, if you look around, everyone's kind of like keeping their heads down. They don't want to, you know, they're not trying to make eye contact because I think they feel like they're broken. And that's certainly not the case. But And you have to go into a room and, you know, do stuff into a cup. Yeah, exactly. You're all embarrassed that too, about that too could make yeah. things weird. I actually got a really funny story about that. Oh, um, yes. You better <laughs> include it, buddy. Yeah, I will. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we started the process with uh, Dr. Harris. And, you know, everything went well. We did we did the retrieval. We did, you know, um, did the uh, the... The zippity fer- fertilization yeah. of it, and and then I'll go back and tell my funny story, and then we, uh, you know, we we did the we did the the implant. And they had we had like a really great looking embryo, and I remember we had a picture of it. It's like this is like the great them. It's like five A, and we're super excited. This one's good, and I remember they you know they did the uh, they implanted into her womb her uterus. And, you know, we left there thinking, all right, this is it. And this was like December 2017, like late 2017. And we were super excited. You know, we're like, we're not going to tell anybody yet. Not going to tell anybody. Um, and then, you know, you wait a couple weeks and then you have to go back and get tested. So this was in January. And the only reason I know it's in January, because like two days after this, I ended up going down to Los Angeles to see the Rams playoff game against the Falcons, which they lost. So this is not a good week for me. Like, and she, I was at work in the gym at work and I got a call from her and she's like, I, I just got my test back. I said, well, what happened? She's like, I don't think it worked. I said, well, what do you mean? And she said that there was a certain number, like a level was low and it wasn't where it was supposed to be. And, you know, I immediately like just feel like someone punched me in the gut. Yeah. The levels have to keep going. Up right. And time. so it was one of those things where, and I don't remember the exact thing that they were measuring. Um, but you know, I was just like, devastated I'm like what's going on and then you you know you'd play internet sleuth an internet doctor and you start looking stuff up and I'm like well you know it says here that they might not be at this point it might be late developing right and then she went back and got another test and sure enough that they had gone up again so now we're like oh maybe we're okay uh and then we went into our uh, to get our you know ultrasound and yeah there was nothing it didn't take and I remember just being like it was hard enough going through that but then seeing her have to go through it and not being able to do anything about it like we just came home that day and I think I just went to bed for like three hours and just didn't do anything. Like we were just devastated. Yeah. Um, and then it, it took two more tries, but you know, long story short, we ended up leaving this, uh, this hospital because our doctor, Dr. Harris ended up going to the spring, which is a private practice, followed him there two more tries and then it ended up working. But this is my funny story. And I never told yes. anybody this. So <laughs> you, uh, this has never been told. This has never been told nice. publicly. So <laughs> You guys are going to love this If one. we had a Buttery Bros sound, we'd do it. Yeah. So <laughs> the day that you do, they do retrieval, your job as the male partner is you have to produce your specimen. Well, we all, that, okay. Yeah. Yes, hey. you do. So we go in, you know, and, and I always try to make things funny and we're and try to keep it lighthearted. So we're sitting in the waiting room and the woman comes in and the nurse says, uh, Mr. Woodland. And I said, you know, I stand up and I just kind of like crack my knuckles and look at my wife and give her a salute and just like, and just like walk back. Right. Yeah. And it's this older, this older 
nurse, you know, and they take you into this room and it's like the saddest little room you've ever seen. It's got like a chair with, you know, like the medical stuff sitting over it, you know, it's all, and there's like these crinkle paper, right? It's got that. It's got like the sad little TV with a DVD player and there's like a selection of stuff over here, you know, and she hands you the cup and she explains everything. I'm like, I got it, ladies. It's not my first rodeo. I've been preparing 30 years for this. Exactly. And, uh, you're just like, okay, uh-huh, get to the whole spiel. She's like, hey, when you're done, just open the door and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, all right, let's get this done. And I go, I'm not touching any of that. So pull out the phone. I'm like, we're just going to we're just going to use the internet. Technique. We're just going to use the internet. And then I'm just. Good housekeeping. Exactly. Com, right? <laughs> yep. Browsing yeah. history, ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Make sure we're on private browsing mode. And <laughs> so the phone, this, the process has begun. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, this is a great story of two dudes in a garage. It doesn't get better. I'm things are progressing. I get a text message <laughs> from my mother. Oh, <laughs> no. You can't make this up. I, I was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> this has now set the process back several minutes. Like all the people to text me at that moment. That is amazing. My mother. <laughs> it was awful. That was uh, that was a personal foul. Yeah, like it was, it was just that was a fifteen yard <laughs> that was uh, and a warning for sideline misconduct. I mean, it was just uh, like really. And it was all the moments for my mother to text, and it, you know, I it's right up there on the screen that yep, I'm looking at. Yep, you know, yep. so that was bad. He well, probably I, was just like, "I love you, Sean." Thinking about you, <laughs> right. and you're like, it was some stupid. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I'm like, oh. <laughs> and when, when Feels you're in so that, dirty when you're in that room, which I had been in several times uh-huh. myself, like. Time is kind of of the essence because you don't want people out there exactly. going. Exactly, like, what, what is, is that guy doing, doing in there? <laughs> Jeez, and his mom. And then, you, you know, you don't want to walk out in like three seconds and be. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like handing it over was tough for me. Like, yeah, here you go. Here like, it is. I'm handing you my sperm. Yeah, what the this uh, is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. wow. At least this one time, my I, the, the time that worked, I think I had to put it in like a like a container. You just like it's in the wall. And you shut it and you oh. walk out. So there's oh, no yeah. like that's much better. There's no like walk of shame. So when I went and did it for my first time. It was quite a few years ago, but all they had, they had some magazines, like you were saying, but they had it, not even a DVD player. This is uh. in DVD time. It was a VHS. Oh, And no. it was like 80s porn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what am I supposed That's to do thing, like, I didn't want anybody want, you know, like know what I had been doing. Like, I'm right. not messing with any of this because I'm sure like there's an order to it and I don't want to screw it up. Yeah, so I, we're I just... Do. I didn't touch the magazines. I, who knows right. what was on those exactly. things? Grandpa, Just, did you steal these from? Yeah. <laughs> it was like Bill Cosby sweaters on the <laughs> guys. I was like, let's get physical. Yeah. That's the background music? It was rough. Yeah. yeah. So that was... Uh, well, that's amazing. Do we know the gender of the baby? We don't. Uh, oh, she wanted wow. to wait. I love that. And, that's admirable. Um, that's, I kind of wanted to find out, but I said, you know, you're doing all the hard work, so you win. Yes. So this is your choice. What are you hoping for? It doesn't matter. I just want a healthy one, and all indications are it is healthy. You know, we've done all the the ultrasounds and that's the thing like when you go through this like one thing that's been I feel and I don't want to say cheated or robbed from but it's like so much stuff went wrong that when you get one little thing that might be off like you don't want to feel good about it like you're, you're just waiting for the next shoe to drop the, the whole time yeah. exactly um, so we've been through a couple of those where it's just like a minor thing and you're like oh what's going on now but um, you know, another week, I think she's officially to term. And then if something we keep reminding ourselves and I keep having to say it, it's like, God forbid something were to happen. Worst case scenario, you know, they can induce labor and we're going to be okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
but it's been like it's been a tough like I didn't ever think that this would be something I went through and and I know that there are a lot of people out there who do go through it who don't talk about it yeah and for me just hearing other people who had you know talk about it who had been through it was like super helpful just to realize okay I'm not alone I'm not broken there are you know this is a common thing sucks to deal with it. And, you know, there were times where, especially when after the first one failed and we were so just like, do we, I don't even want to go through this again because you know, like depressing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you watch your wife stick herself with needles, you know, twice a day and doing all these shots and, you know, making herself feel you know, terrible during the time, you know, gaining weight, yeah. can't do a bunch of stuff. And all you're doing is sitting there and trying to be supportive. Right. We didn't know if we wanted to do it again. And then, you know, the second time didn't work either. And then finally, yeah, the third time was a charm. Third time's you know, a charm, baby. That, you know, Dr. Harris at Spring Fertility, man. I mean, I owe that guy my family. Like, he is, um, he's such a great dude. And I would, uh, yeah, I'd take a bullet for the guy. So you know? this this may be too deep and personal, but when they do in vitro, usually you've got more. So do you have others waiting in I the wings? I don't think so. Okay. I think we had, like, that was the thing. Like, this was our last one. We had, I think we had one that was, um, the first one that we had, we had, five that developed into two good ones. And then they implanted the first one that didn't work. And then we decided to gen- genetically test the second one, which we thought maybe that was the problem. And then they said, yeah, it came back fine. And then, so, and even then when they, you know, when they did the, 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 uh, when they implanted it, we we're just like, well, you know, we'll, okay, let's, yeah. let's wait and see, you know, yeah. are we, are we setting up for Lucy to pull the football away or is this going to work? And it worked. And it was, uh, nice. I've read this yeah. book, uh, Brene Brown, I think it's dare to lead. And she talks about like when things are going so well, sometimes we like, like freak out and be like, yeah. oh, everything's going too good now. Mm-hmm. Like what's wrong? Like I, I just, it's, it's a tough time, especially going through mm-hmm. such hardships to, to have that idea in your brain and be like, everything's going too according to plan mm-hmm. and just not being able to enjoy it fully because right. you have this like underlying paranoia. But I mean, with all of the events that had to, you got to think in that mindset of like, yeah, I mean, the balance between the two of like in trying to enjoy it, but also like preparing, like maybe something may happen. Like right. it's yeah. such a crazy world that we live in yeah. with, with that can happen. Well, I'll, I'll give you a fair warning. It's a quick history of my, my, thing. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go too detailed, but we went through all that. None of my sperm was going to work enough to do in vitro mm-hmm. ourselves. So we were thinking about the next steps. We got a call. We ended up adopting a kid, uh, Good for you, first son, awesome. Harrison. It was an adoption. The second one was, um, we were going to try to either adopt again or cause we couldn't do the in vitro. Mm-hmm. And someone said, Hey, I've got frozen embryos that I, my family, we don't want. We adopted a frozen embryo, put them inside oh, my awesome, life. Man. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then <laughs> I knocked her up after Third that. So, of course. So, See, I've heard, yeah. yeah so you got to be, be, no, be aware we're that's about, yeah. coming down the pipe possibly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I always joke that we've had kids every way except for stealing a kid. We, have, we haven't kidnapped a kid yet, but we're You're done. like the kid hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've got the snip. I'm Three done. home runs, dude, but yeah. Yeah, hit the cycle almost. Yeah. 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 Right? So I, I, love, I love that you would be so willing to share that story. I know in the past you've even said on your podcast, if, if you're struggling through this, call yeah, me, I mean, I've had a couple people reach out. A couple people have reached out and just, you know, I'm not an expert. I can't answer like technical questions. Sure. Um, but I can just kind of tell people what I went through and, yeah. and that, you know, man, it's, it sucks. And, but the, the most important thing is that, and I don't want to say we were lucky, but it certainly helped that. And I, and I don't want to use the word fault or blame, but both my wife and I had an issue. So it wasn't like one of us was secretly looking at the other one being like, you know, if it wasn't for you, buddy, you know, we'd be fine mm-hmm. right now. Um, so that in a way was, I think it just helped because we never, there was no, never any finger pointing. Right. And if you are in that situation where it is, you know, your partner or it's just you, you know, a don't look at your partner that way because it's no one's fault. Right. You know, don't ever, don't go down that road. That's 
you just try to support each other the best that you can. And then yeah. just try to put yourself in that person's shoes. And then you'll understand really fast, you know, how that would feel. Yeah, in our case, it was a hundred percent me. And to the point where like they would check out her uterus and like, we've never seen a better uterus. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. my great. God. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. Shout that's out awesome. to Heidi. Yeah. But, but Heidi never, never did that. And, wow. and that's yeah. wow. for men. I think it's really, oh, really yeah. tough. Cause 100%. you're like, that, that, that's your masculinity right, uh, right. there. Yeah. This I is the basic function of life that I'm supposed to perform. And now I, you know, I can't. The so, more right. that we can kind of lower our walls as men and like help each other to go through mm-hmm. some hard times yeah. like that, like finding the woman you want to marry or mm-hmm. having your first child, the more that we can kind of let like those big like blocks of masculinity mm-hmm. that, that block us from kind of helping each other out. And the more that we can lend our hand to a homeboy that's going through something similar. Yeah, it's like, tough, man. Dude, but like, the, like you guys are doing a great job of that and like letting people know it's okay to, yeah. to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's dope. Uh, yeah, I lend a hand. Like that's what I'm wanting people to do. It's just like, you know, if you see someone struggling with something that you've been through, like help them. Like that's what happens if people don't have a resource yeah. to kind of say, Hey dude, I've been through this too. This is what helped me. Mm-hmm. Shared human experience is a very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the driving forces in CrossFit. It's one of the driving forces that makes cr- CrossFit as a sport beneficial as well to kind of wrap it all together. Because, you know, we, we used to say all the time and like you look on the floor and that person is performing the same movement that you do every day, maybe to a different degree um, or maybe, you know, to a, a different load or things like that. But I, I think that's partially what has put everyone in this community. That's what builds community is shared uh, you know, human experience. I yeah. always say sweat is the best bonding agent out there. Mm-hmm. Like if you can mm-hmm. sweat with like sweat with people, like all borders are down after that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we all know how it Fran feels like we all know Oof. what like 10 minute assault bike feels like, like if, once you have that shared experience together, like you could be the CEO, I could be the guy washing the, like the floors at night. Like mm-hmm. we're equal. We're all together in that. And that for me, that where does that else does that happen? Like many yeah. other places, yeah. like where can you have an even playing ground with everyone in mm-hmm. life? Yeah, for sure. We want to thank you guys for listening to part one of our two-part interview with Sean and Tommy. Be sure to check in with us again next Monday as we continue with part two. We're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to get nostalgic about the update show, Rest in Peace. We're going to talk about Sean and Tommy's broadcasting heroes, and we're also going to discuss our four-way universal hatred for the San Francisco 49ers. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.